Hey, it's working. Reboot Yay. helped. All right. Awesome. 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 Anyway, we were talking about the different flash memory. Jeff was showing me a tiny card that he says now you can buy on Amazon one of those. This is a micro SD right. that you can buy for, uh, that has 128 gigabytes. And he asked me, it's, aren't you like amazed by that? And I, I said... I, I knew you would be skeptical. So, Well, it's not, I'm not skeptical. No, <laughs> I, I believe yeah, it's true. I just It's like I'm past the point of being impressed by miniaturization. Of course, that's, ha- that's what's going to happen. Uh, I know it's going to happen. Just like I'm shocked that it's here now. It just, I, I'm not. It, it's it's the steady stuff. I mean that that I, my first USB thumb drive sitting over there. It's it's this big and it's 64 megabytes. Right, but how old is that? Not that old compared to me. No, but yeah. okay, but we have been yeah. we're in this industry. I know. This I know. is constantly happening. I know. We should not be shocked by it. No, I'm not shocked on a daily basis. I'm shocked occasionally. And 128 gigabytes on something that weighs a gram. Yeah, that you know, that seems about right for for the way things advance in this in this thing. That I hear you. That I hear makes you. Sense. That's that's that you're that's what you should have said to me. It's just <laughs> it's one of those things every once in a while it's like I can't believe we're this far this fast. Mm-hmm. And 128 gigabytes for 40 bucks in this form factor That's is one of those things. Some of the beauty of information technology is we are so, there's so much to discover that we just are essentially scratching the surface so we can get really far really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we are pushing it to its limits of what we can do constantly. Well, like for SSDs, they yeah. just introduced a new technology. So there is single layer, layer cell, SLC right. hard drives, right? And that's where you have a cell. It's either zero or one. It's charged or not charged. Right. These are the floating gate uh, transistors that are inside of flash okay. memory. Okay. I'm not sure specifically about that. But, you know, the MLCs used to be the really reliable ones. And they were smaller capacity because one cell was one bit, right? It was either off or on. Right. And they had MLC, multi-layer cells. And a cell could have a charge of zero, mm-hmm. one-third, two-thirds, or full. So now it's two bits you okay. can measure out of that, right? And that's what all your the SSDs in your laptop right here are MLC with two bits, right? So each cell has basically a charge uh, detector that can say this thing is probably zero, right. one-third, two-thirds, or full. So that's four states it can be in. It's essentially you, you can fit two two charges onto well, it's the same space. two bits of information in a charged cell, right? But it's you can measure, right, you can I, measure I, I, zero. I, so you're in a cell, right? Yeah, and, I'm sorry, and, I'm thinking and, I'm thinking about this quantum. You can't you can't no. read spin states yet, although they're working. In the old days, it was either off or on, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Now it's like okay, oh, there's off, there's on, but let's cut those in half. And put one-third and two-thirds. And if we can measure the difference between one-third and zero and one-thirds and two-thirds, then we can have two right. bits in a single cell. Right. So it's, it's, it's a bucket that you can fill with charge. Now, the MLC cells are three bits per cell. Mm-hmm. So every eighth, and they're able to discern a yeah. one-eighth charge. You're just making either bigger buckets or buckets that have better gra- better granularity. granularity. And that's what they're doing now. Yeah. So now they have... Three bit buckets, three bit cells, so you can zero, one eighth, two eighths, 
I'm not going to reduce it. Three eighths, four eighths, five eighths, seven eighths, eighth eighths, you know, full charge. And, you know, as the future goes on, you know, you expect they'll probably have four bit buckets or or more as they can, as they can determine the charge of the cell. Right. Or they'll figure out a better, a way to layer them on top of another. Did I I mention to you when I was in Austin, I talked to um, a PhD from Intel at the bar? I think you did. I mentioned it on Twitter. I'm not sure if I told it okay. to you last week or not. But so I was at the bar where we were doing our event early, and a guy came in and he asked for a recommendation. He said he was from Portland, and so I recommended a certain hoppy beer from Georgia or from Texas that was pretty good. And I went over and started talking to him because the bar was pretty quiet. I'm a very social person, you know. And he was a little bit nerdy. I asked him if he was a supercomputer. He's like, Yeah, I gave a keynote about Moore's Law. Uh-huh. And I'm a Intel fellow. Awesome. So I had a little bit of talk with him about. And we didn't get too deep, but I acted, you know, like so. Could you give me the summary of the Moore's Law talk? And basically, um, it's not down. It's not about gate uh, width anymore, like the number of atoms in a, a transistor gate. But they're doing different things, like they're doping the silicon with a different material, or when they're making the silicon, they're putting it under pressure and mm-hmm. twisting it. Sure. Or pushing it a certain way, and that causes changes. And um, basically, what the thing that I came home with is uh, Intel has this stable of enhancements, right? For the next gen, like the next five generations of processors. And then the product, you know, they come to a point, it's like, okay, what goes into this generation processor? They pick the things that are probably the cheapest, the most likely to be discovered by AMD. You know, the ones that will be competitively discovered uh-huh. themselves, get those out into the marketplace. Because if you're saving this thing for later and AMD releases something first, yeah, that's no good. Or if ARM releases it first. So, you know, they pick a couple things. Meanwhile, they have this technology, which is several generations in advance. But it's they're saving it for the right time. To well, it's, it. it's, it's not. Well, it's an R and D chain, right? It, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like they they have a whole bunch of yeah. They're doing research into what what ways they could possibly expand. Uh, of course, they are. But you, you're not a company like Intel doesn't get ahead by sitting on its laurels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to figure out because there are people gunning for you at every stage. So you got to figure out what the next thing is, and so you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, the size of the gate was something we were concerned about for a long time. We've gotten to a kind of a limitation there, mm-hmm. uh, quantum mechanical limitations. It simply becomes tunneling at that point if you get too small. So now we're looking at, all right, how can you make these materials more effective in what they're doing? So we can, if we can now make, make the gate to an arbitrarily small point where, uh, right before quantum mechanics takes over and ruins it, what else can we do with the material? Uh, that totally makes sense to me. That sounds like exactly what Intel should be doing. Right. So I, I, I completely buy that. No, and, and, and some of them, yeah. And you can say, well, well, they could release all of them no, at one time. No. no they, they've only had, you know, they've only done one step into one. I They're wasn't like, complaining. No, it I'm not saying you're complaining. insight I'm... into the product mechanism. And they have like these, like, they have things that would have cost way too much to bring to market. Yeah. But in seven years. Possibly, boom. Right. It was just really cool. And it is. I it is. Kind of got to sit down cool. and talk with this guy at the bar. You know, it was fun. I can hear the people though saying, "Well, how come Intel hasn't released that for everybody?" And it's like, because Intel's got to pay the bills too. 
Yeah, the flash memory right now is apparently. I, I was thinking tunneling magneto resistance, but that's just standard flat disk hard drives. Okay. Um, basically, instead of instead of having read one charge, you can sort of get close to something and read how much tunneling is happening. Okay. Uh, and that basically gives it a current, and so it can use that. And so, so it gets doesn't get as close to you don't have as much chance of mm-hmm. it hitting the platter. Right. Using that's part of the reason they have the helium drives. Yeah. Because the atmosphere is thinner, you can glide closer to the platter, and so I mean with hard drives, right? The keys to getting more data per area, per inch or millimeter, mm-hmm. more data per millimeter, is. To get the heads flying closer and to make the magnet stronger. Right. Right. Because when you have a stronger magnet, you can use less electricity to compensate, to move things around, to read the differences, stuff like that. So, you know, they're all about having super strong rare earth magnets in there for positioning the arm and, you know, filling a drive with helium as opposed to air. Yeah, I think this also helps with density, and it also helps with um, basically how thin you can make the material. Uh, so that's what magneto resi- this this magneto resistance based on tunneling does. Yeah, it's just basically increasing. Sure. I, I think the thickness of the material is mostly a mechanical thing. I mean, you got these things spinning at ten thousand RPM or that twenty obviously plays fifteen thousand sure. RPM. You need to have an aluminum or glass platter that isn't going to warp, pull apart. Mm-hmm wobble all that stuff so i think you know the typical eighth of an inch platter that we're used to seeing is is probably more of a function of keeping the platter rigid at those crazy forces at fifteen thousand revolutions per second but if you could use a material to maybe put a couple couple i guess rpm right is revolutions per minute but if you could use a really thin material to actually sort of put a couple layers onto these Sure. I mean, the, well, that's what they do, right? I mean, a lot of these hard drive platters, I mean, some of them are solid aluminum, but other ones are ceramic or glass with the aluminum coating on it. You know, so, I mean, they're layering stuff already. Yeah. This and, is, and, and, I mean, this technology is six, seven, ten years old, even. So it's not, mm-hmm. it's not new. It's just a, the, the way that uh, those drives, they, they still use this fundamental technology. Oh, it's, guess what? Tuesday, I have a meeting with the CEO of LastPass. Oh, really? I do. With Joe. Okay. Joe Segrist, I think. is. What are you going to do, curse him out? Why didn't you... So we're using their LastPass Enterprise, and they have a SAML service for single sign-on, right? And when they had their outage last week, um, when LastPass Password Manager can't connect to the mothership, it still functions reasonably. You can log in offline, you can get your passwords, whatnot. But we're using LastPass SAML for a single sign-on. So when we try to log into WebEx, and WebEx goes to LastPass to say, hey, is this dude cool? And LastPass is down and can't say, yeah, this dude's cool. Uh-huh. We can't get into WebEx. Support can't get into WebEx. It's a big fucking deal for us. So I use that opportunity to push. I need to know from LastPass what, you know, I need you to convince me you're taking the steps necessary to make your SAML service of the appropriate reliability, right? So I started with their help desk. Can I pause? I gotta go to the bathroom. Oh, sure. Sorry. I want to listen to this.
All right, we're back. So um, they had the outage last week, and I after the outage was over, I filed a ticket with support saying, you know, I understand password manager, all that stuff, but you know we're using SAML and this is a problem. Like I have the confidence of my company resting on my shoulders. I need to know whether LastPass mm-hmm. is the product I need to use for SAML or I need to find someone else. And like the answer I got back from support at first, like the first answer was, well, you can just log into LastPass offline and get your passwords and log into your services. I'm like, like I, I've never, I don't, like I can't think of the last time I've been so angry when I was reading this email, like everything started turning orange. Like I was literally seeing red because the answer was like just brushing me off uh-huh. to the level one techs, uh, you know, to, 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 to their defense, right? I, you know, they were imagining where SAML, they would saw people using SAML. SAML's a single sign-on thing where if you're logged into LastPass, you can configure third-party sites like WebEx to say when when one of your users logs into WebEx, bounce through LastPass, determine whether they're logged in. And if they're logged in, log them into WebEx without requiring a password, right? You know, so it's kind of an easy login type thing. We have our services configured where you can't use your WebEx password anymore. If LastPass SAML's down, you can't get into WebEx. WebEx in particular, because WebEx is a f- bunch of fucking assholes. You, they're, they're okay. You're getting, you're getting. Yeah. Well, but no, they're, the they're, they're SAML. No, not really. Their SAML implementation is such that I can't change it. If there's going to be a prolonged outage of several hours, I can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. I have to file a ticket, wait three days for a tech to do it in the middle of the night on a Saturday, and just screw me up. Okay, you know? but you're talking about LastPass, not oh. WebEx. But because of companies implementing SAML like WebEx does, I need LastPass to be that much more reliable. Okay. Because other services, like Slack, I could turn off SAML and let people use their Slack passwords to log in. WebEx, I have no option. If LastPass is down... Well, your, your problem is not with WebEx. Your problem is with your machines that are using the SAML, right? Because... If the problem was you had an hour where you couldn't get into WebEx. Support needs to have a support WebEx with a customer, and they can't log into their WebExes because LastPass is down. So can't you use some other service to do? But our web conferencing is WebEx. (laughs) So what, you want them to fire up a Google Hangout because the... Yeah, I want them to if they need to fire. I want fire up a Google Hangout. If I want they need two to things. Support. I want WebEx to have a more sane implementation of SAML, and I want LastPass's SAML implementation to be more reliable, more available than it has been over the last six months. I, I don't know what the problem has been in the last six months of LastPass. I, I don't know there's been any problems. So well, with that's, the SAML stuff. So I, I mean, don't know. I don't know about the SAML stuff. Right. So, like I said, the SAML password manager runs reasonably when they are down for some reason or another. Their SAML stuff can't run reasonably when they're down. It has to be up. So if they're running their SAML stuff on the same infrastructure they're running the password manager and they're treating the reliability requirements the same, and that that's their answer. Now, I, I'm just a hundred and some users. You know, I am not their biggest customer. I don't know who's using SAML, who's not. But You're obviously a big customer if you got a meeting with the CEO. I guess, I guess. Um, so basically, I when I, after I saw this red, I screamed at the tech, like, you, I dare you to show me how this can work offline. Mm-hmm. 
You know, she's like, oh, I didn't understand. I'm like, I need you to have my account manager call me. Because I don't... You screamed at a tech. Oh, not on the phone. Okay. In email. Okay. And all I right. didn't even use all caps. Okay. But I said, you're fucking, you know, in a polite way, I said, you're fucking wrong. I'm pissed off. Have my account manager call me. Okay. that That's better. <laughs> in email. With yeah. not all yeah. caps. Okay. Okay. But I was still very angry. But I tempered it with email. So the VP of sales calls, because I don't have an account manager really. Um, ever since we signed up, uh, we had some pre-sale support, but nothing since. And LastPass has been good for what it is, but I have a requirement that the SAML is up. So she answered some questions. She gave me a confidential reply on what their outage actually was. Uh, I'm not going to share that in the post show here. Um, if you're curious, I mean, I can tell you off, off the air. I don't need to know. Um, but uh, so I, I'm like, I need to have a conversation with the people at LastPass who are in charge of SAML. You know, I need to talk about the reliability reliability requirements. I need to know whether this is a product I can continue to use or I need to find another sample provider. And, uh, you know, they set up a meeting and the person I'm talking to is the co-founder and CEO of LastPass. All right. Well, cool. (laughs) Tell him to give me free. uh... What, $12 a year is too expensive for you? Yes. You want them to make money? How? Oh, just to give me, me free. I, I don't <laughs> just you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't care about anybody else. Just me. For... Well, you can use it for free if you don't want to use your phone. I want to use my phone. No, twelve dollars a year. <sighs> Suck it up. CEO or or get get your company to buy LastPass Enterprise, and then you can link your personal account, and it's free. I don't think my company would do that. Yeah. Um. So it was cool because I, I I know of Joe for years, and I'm not going to be starstruck in the meeting, but I, I uh, you know. All right, well, like I said, you know, free. It would just be a donation free, to, to free, me. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll work on that after it. they fix my SAML. But the part of the question is like, do you have other enterprise users using SAML, is, or am I on the bleeding edge? You know, like yeah. you probably can't answer that question, but I would love to know: Am I on the bleeding edge, or? Do other people have this requirement? Because I need to know what I need to do in the future. Yeah, I hear you. You're right. I mean, I mean, getting getting from the CEO is good because you you know you're at least getting the bullshit from the top person. Top bullshit. Well, he's the top in LastPass, but LastPass was bought by Log Me In, right? So, oh, right. He's not the boss boss anymore. He's right. Just but, the, yeah, he's just true. a division boss. That's true. That is true. You have a point. It'll Have you fun. thought any about uh, the the eye stuff I've been teaching you about? Yeah, so I sent you those. Mm-hmm. So when I was going to bed, I thought of an analogy because I was happy to see that because it meant let, that let me, it, let me, it was like one of the first times that you've shown that you were interested. Yeah, to so, really go after. So we were talking about eye, and Greg was talking about the vector and this semicircle to the top of the axis, which was not Y but imaginary right. space. Complex space, complex plane space, right? Mm-hmm. And it had to do with the vector. So tell, point out where I'm wrong. Okay. But when I was laying in bed, I imagined, okay, so this semicircle to the north, it's not not north. But it, it it's really, and because it's closer to zero, the more 
angle that there is on the vector, it's closer to the zero of the horizontal plane, right? Yes. So I started imagining, like, for an analogy, now there's probably flaws in it, but to as, a, as an elementary analogy, it's almost like um, I started thinking of things like when you're getting closer to the speed of light, your mass increases and time slows down. Like there's almost like this universal constant of you have this quota of mass time, right? You know, and as you gain one, you lose another, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was thinking about this I, it the vector, right? The vector like off the X plane. So I described to you of instead of this semicircle of this imaginary complex or this complex plane space, which is hard to envision, imagine that your point is on the x axis, but it's a a spool of thread mm-hmm. and you have the thread attached to zero point and on the in the spools on its end and, and you have an arrow point painted on the top of the spool of thread. Mm-hmm. so when it is pointing to the right, it's at one, and as you start to turn. The spool of thread counterclockwise, and so instead of pointing from three o'clock, it points to two o'clock. It gets pulled in a little bit closer to zero. Yep. And it seemed like an analogy because because you have a vector of pointing at two o'clock, you're losing some of the distance on the x plane. Yep. And as you turn it back to one o'clock, you get pulled back a little further. And as you point at twelve o'clock, you're at zero. And then this mechanical analogy doesn't go into negative space very well, but it handles that 90 degree angle. And that's kind of what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. That's exactly because right. Because instead of it being like up in this complex area, it's still on the plane we can imagine. But you can see as it has energy pointing in a vector, yeah. it, the more energy it has off of the plane, the less, it, the more it moves back towards zero. Exactly. The, the, your, your, Exactly right. What, what's going on is that you have this one number line, and you're talking about from a point zero to point one in a number line, that's a magnitude of one. Mm-hmm. So whatever this is has a magnitude of one. But you can get further and further closer to zero on the number line and still keep that magnitude of one. You're just going into this right. complex you're, you're drawing the complex again. For me... And again, maybe a stepping stone to get there mm-hmm. is to have this spool of thread. Thing, yeah, right? that, that's that, exactly what it is. Because you're you take the spool of thread, still, you put it to one. You're still physically yeah. on that plane, but you have a vector off of the plane. Yep, but and you, so you're moving it, it in this direction. You're losing some mm-hmm. one, and and the amount you're losing tracks as a circle right. uh, around, uh, and that's that's the principle behind e to the i pi because. And the way I justified this, and you can tell me if this is good or not, but because when you're in the point of view of the origin to the particle to its vector, it it also helps. I think it also we talked about shifting the frame of reference, right? Because you can kind of see how the thread of spool the spool of thread staying on the same plane, but the arrow, the way the arrow is pointing, is your frame of reference. Right. So you can kind of see how you're in the same place, but referencing a different direction. Yep. You know, because it's, you're not really tracking the trajectory of the particle. You're kind of doing it as a point in time thing. Yes. And the vector is the direction it wants to go, but it's not going there because you're not letting any time pass, the kind of thing. Absolutely. That That's where the exponential function comes in. Uh, if you're talking about exponential function, you, you know, it's at some point, it's always growing by whatever it is. 
So that that's why you know you talked about. It. I didn't want to bring it up because it gets into it gets complex when you start talking about derivatives and things like that. Mm-hmm. People don't want to get into calculus, but it is true. There is a, a calculus thing here where the function e to the x, the derivative of e to the x is equal. The derivative of the function e to the x is equal to itself. Right. It's always growing by itself. Uh, that's why this the exponent e to the okay. x is. Oh, I'm not going to hit that. I'm not sure I follow all of that. Okay, um, but you know, just go back to my. Well, the derivative just means oh, the. Can I say one more thing? Sure, yes. So back to the spool of thread thing. Once I visualized that, it's kind of like okay. So you get that step two. Instead of doing that, let's look at this geometric circle, semicircle, right? You know, and let's take that to. Instead of needing to imagine. This spool of thread getting smaller. Look, imagine it going across this complex plane, because when you do that, all kinds of geometry just works. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think for me, and if I was ever going to try to teach I to somebody, I would start with, like, look at this spool of thread, see how it behaves, and then build upon that to get to the complex plane. I I I like your idea. Um, I think that you're coming at it from the point of, uh, here's how I got it. So that's the way well, that's the way I should come at it. Where I do think there's a part, there's a, a point and point of, of sort of beginning with the fundamentals and then letting people letting people adapt their own their own way there, of, of thinking about things. So I, I don't think sure. your 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 thing is wrong. I just think that it's, it's no, no, one I, way of well, looking it's, at it's it. certainly not right. Yeah. I mean, I thought of it on my own with you know this remedial you know. Yeah. The reason lesson, I, so. I brought up derivatives is because you said something that is exactly what a derivative is. A, you said a vector at a specific time. It, it's it's going at a, it's going in this direction, but it's not moving anywhere because you locked it at a specific time. Right. That's exactly what a derivative is. How is a curve moving at a point where it's a point, and that's by some vector, right? And that's so that's essentially what a derivative. A derivative is a vector of how a curve, how something is moving. And so what this is saying is that at every point in of your graph of e to the x, the way that its vector is is pointing in e to the x, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's why e d x is what it is. That's why the f- the function is Im- as important as it is. It's simply as it, it's 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 an arbitrary distinction. It's simply saying this is what happens when everything is growing by the amount that's at. One other thing I'd like to mention, just I think it might help people listening. They're probably really sick of this shit, but it might help people listening. Is so you have my spool of thread with the arrow pointing at sixty degrees, right? Uh-huh. So now you have a right triangle of. The mm-hmm. arrow pointing at the hypotenuse mm-hmm. of the triangle, you have the x-axis and you have a vertical right angle line to that. And when you start seeing that, you start seeing sine, cosine, sine type stuff. And you can kind of see how the velocity on the, or the, the distance travel on the x-axis is um, a mathematical formula, you know, like a... Yeah. The beauty of triangles is we kind of know them inherently. Once you get down to a right triangle, we know exactly what to do with that. Right. We've got that down. I mean, we've known that for thousands of years. What do that's a squared plus b squared equals c squared. That is like <laughs> that is that is primary right. stuff. So what you can do then is, given any complex number, you can figure out what the magnitude is simply by by mm-hmm. figuring it. One part is part of a. One part is part of b. Mm-hmm. You can even so. Let's say three plus four i. Wait, what is the magnitude of that? What is where is that vector? If I were to put it down to two Do number plane, oh, no, I'm good. If I were to put it down to number plane, what is that? What is that equal? I wasn't listening. Sorry, three 
3 to the 4i. If I put that down the number plane, right? So that, this, I'm just giving any complex okay. number. Sure. This is easi three, 3 plus 4i. If I were to, that's some vector somewhere here, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm saying, all right, so this is 3 plus 4i. Um, if I were to take this. You just drew a, a, a dot yeah. off at, say, 230. Yeah, or three Or 130. 130. Uh, if I were to say, okay, so that means that this is a circle like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were to take this down to here, what would that number be? Right. Right. You're saying basically what is the radius of the, of this circle that you're making? Right. So one thing I just thought of, just throwing ideas here because like uh, things are firing, right? This whole right triangle thing, right? And we mentioned earlier how like when you start approaching the speed of light, time slows down, mass increases. So your trajectory is almost like the hypotenuse of triangle. And like the base would be the mass, and the vertical would be time. So you almost can like work this like quota of it's exactly time mass. It's, it's actually right it, you, it is exactly what you do. It's not it's not well, somewhat right. like that. It is exactly like that. You have hit on exactly how Einstein got to relativity. Okay, um, because I mean I got the concept of like this universal mm-hmm. like mass time quota like years ago when we back when I was like a peer with you. In this, in this, it's like, um, this physics, you know, philosophy type stuff mm-hmm. we were doing on the show years ago. And, you know, you're, you're my professor now. But so I got, I got, I always saw this like universal, like some constant thing, right? But I never saw it as a right triangle until just a second ago. Awesome. Well, I remember I told you at one point, all math is triangles. Mm-hmm. Once we boil things down to triangles, we get it. So that's why. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it, all math is, this is all just sort of exploration of, of how you can deal with different types of triangles. Um, so 3 plus 4i, anyway, so that, that's some constant. So I can just put put that as either sides of this and mm-hmm. get C. Uh, so 3 squared plus 4i squared. The other thing I can do, uh, which is a similar thing, it, it, it does exactly the same thing, but it's useful in other calculations. I'll just introduce it uh, as you take sort of the mirror of this. That's called its complex conjugate. So mm-hmm. three plus four i uh, times a three minus four i, it does this. It, it ends up doing the same thing as, as you'll find out. So you have this complex number and its conjugate. So that's three times. So this is a point in Greg's circle that's kind of like four thirty. It's pointing, you know, it's the, it's the opposite of yeah. the one thirty, right? And so the, the three, so you have this three plus four i and a three times and three minus four i. You just you just reverse on the circle mm-hmm. and so you say okay so three times three that's nine all right three uh, times um, three times four i uh, that's twelve i so nine plus twelve i right uh, three times minus four i that's uh, plus minus twelve i right okay and then uh, your last four i times negative 4i, that's minus 16i squared. So the things below the axis in in complex plane, that's, I'm guessing that is just the negative values compared, like, because complex plane, right? Uh-huh. Throwing this out there, yeah. tell me where I'm at. So, like, everything we've drawn last week and so far today has been above the plane, above the, above the axis, right? And that's a... Emotion in arbitrary mm-hmm. angle, and then the negative seems to me to be something when you need to do the inverse of it, the it's opposite. A, yeah. So you have two calculations: you have a, a positive 
complex and then you oh here's a negative number and that's where it comes below but because it's a complex plane it's not really the opposite direction yes yeah, so it's it's a it's a different it's, it's sort of a mirror yeah. of it across but, the number but, you're sort it, of but its main it function seems to be just to balance to negate to exactly because what you get is this 12i and this plus minus 12i well that that cancels out you have nine plus six plus minus 16 okay uh so it's I'm sorry Right, uh, five five plus nine is sixteen i squared. Well, what's i squared? I i, I uh, is is the square root of negative, negative one. one. Negative so one. i squared is negative one. Mm-hmm. So you have negative sixteen times negative one. That's positive sixteen. Mm-hmm. So nine plus sixteen that equals twenty five. Take the square root of that. There you go. This is magnitude five. It's your radius of your circle. So that's just. I'm st- I mean, so I I I, I get the elegant. Uh, geometry mm-hmm. of this stuff. I think the thing, you know, like you said last week, don't worry about the application just yet. But yeah. I'm still like, I'm curious, like, like an intuitive application of this, you know, that I can comprehend yeah. uh, other than like, you know, tunneling or, you know, something that I can't comprehend. Okay, so the, the whole point behind Euler's number was actually, so I think that the interesting thing is you already know the application, which is why it's not hitting you as as much as it does when people first learn it uh, i've had the same thing when i finally found out what e to the i pi why people think it's the most beautiful equation uh, i was kind of underwhelmed because it was something i already knew okay. uh e to the i pi equals negative one is essentially saying e to the i pi it's also it's, it's something that's presented as uh sorry e to the i pi uh plus one equals zero is how it's done mm-hmm. but really just means the i pi equals negative one right. the, the thing is that okay so we know what uh we, we know what e to the uh, i e, e to the x looks like it's just sort of right a hyperbolic okay. mm-hmm. um if you do it with you know remember i said that e can be rate times time or r times t e to the blank is e to yeah. something times something um if you do it to the i it twists into the complex plane and it just the expansion just goes around to negative one so it just as you do this e Mm -hmm. it just keeps spinning around in a circle is essentially what this is saying which means that if you extrapolate this out to the 3d processes occur in spheres they radiate out in spheres. It's the maximum way they can radiate out. Okay. That's something you already know. Oh, sure. Okay. It's like a wave, like dropping a pedal in, puddle, a pebble into a pond, mm-hmm. right? It makes a circle. Why does it make a circle? Because of this math. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is, it's, this is mathematically why. It's something you already know, but this this is why. Oh yeah, I mean, you drop a pedal, pub, a pebble into a pond, it makes mm-hmm. a circle. Well, it's intuitive, right? It starts out as a point, mm-hmm. and if you take every part out from there, it's going to be a concentric, growing circle. But you know, assigning math to that, yeah, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, and this was so, the first guy who kind of okay slapped it all into place. Got that's why. That's why it happens. Like I mean, we knew it, but why? This is why, right? Uh, so there's um I told I mentioned it before. Uh, there's a pretty it's not perfect, but it's a pretty good YouTube channel called Crash Course Kits. Uh-huh. And Ali and I just watched a playlist of Gravity tonight, and uh, 
you know, we'd pause at certain times and I'd ask her, like, they were at, like, she just did a chapter, a unit in school about air. So she did things about how air pushes and, and whatnot. So she knows a lot of the properties of air. So they, they proposed the question, when you drop a hammer and a feather on Earth, they don't drop at the same rate. But if you do it on the moon, which they did, that experiment on the moon, they drop at the same rate. Like, Ali, why do you think why? And she was a little off track at first. She's like, well, the gravity on the Earth is different from the gravity. I'm like, no, that, don't. I mean, she's thinking. I mean, she's, she's thinking, thinking through it. Yeah. And then, so I started I started blowing at her. Like, because she just had a air unit. And mm-hmm. one of the things she, so I started, Phew. she's like, stop that. I'm like, Phew. Why do you think the air, why do you think the feather goes slower on earth? Mm-hmm. And I, I, she actually didn't catch it without a little more prompting. I was hoping she would. I was hoping she would. And, um, but it's she's brilliant. like, oh. And then we did it, and I kind of did an analogy for her where they showed in the video like two sheets of paper, one crumpled up, one flat. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't have any paperwork up in the bedroom, so we grabbed two tissues. Well, tissues didn't work quite the same. No. <laughs> she dropped the open tissue and it dropped faster than the crumbled tissue for some reason <laughs> just just because of you know dynamics yeah, of yeah. it but uh because so i kind of showed her like imagine all the like, i had my two fingers up like this and i imagine all the tips of my fingers are little pieces of air and then i had her spread the tissue out across and like see how my fingers touch all that tissue like how my, all 10 fingers touch it that's a lot of air touching that now put the little crumpled ball on there and it only touched like three or four fingers you know like see how less air touches like oh okay and uh, okay, well that that's great. That's great that you're. I mean, that's the, a very good way to teach. I like that. Uh, you were asking what the what sort of applications there are for this, uh, and then you you went directly into sort of relativity. So I want to sort of tell you how this this is the same process. I remember I told you you can take one thing and if you move it to the other one, you sort of rotate that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. And you also you got and and you were you were right in the money when you talked about how if you have a complex space, you can sort of imagine any type of space. In, in a similar vein, as long as you have some sort of mathematical mm-hmm. way to to derive it down to the other space. Well, I told you at one point about... So, okay, so you were showing me that V-shaped thing last yeah. week. Now, with my new insight, you know, I can imagine rotating this way. I don't have the Z-axis part done. Is that like complex squared or something like that? Well, it's just, it's, it's just a different... another. It's comment. another vector. Yeah. How's that? How's that notated? Like, how do you do that secondary vector? It's it. So, if when you had, uh, I told you four plus three i, right? Um, the way you ultimately did start doing this is with matrix operations. Uh, so you would say four, three i, and then you simply add another dimension to it. It's like a database, oh, okay. right? Uh, you know, six uh, z, I don't know, whatever whatever mm-hmm. the new space is. Okay, um, so it's not just squaring, or it, it's actually another. Okay, yeah. And, and so it's fact, a multiplication. It, in in fact, it follows the same ways that eyes work. So it 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 can be considered as just a, di- a different eye. And then what about when you want? What about adding the next dimension? Same thing, I guess. It just well. So he can, that, that's because it, it does get well, interesting. Kind of, I mean, so what I'm imagining is you add a fourth dimension, mm-hmm. and in 3D space we can't imagine, but the spool vector thing kind of comes in, but it's like, it just twists it a different way and yeah. pulls it in a little closer to zero. Right. Yeah. And then when you had a fifth dimension, it twists it a different way. Well, we only know four that we can, well, I mean, okay, there are ways Maybe to the transfer. string theory dimensions four. are different. But... Well, there are four that we can 
you can technically transform simply by continuing to do this operation, but we have an operation for doing four-dimensional space. Okay. And that's what I'm trying to get to. Is is it what you, I said rotate, but it, so what we do is we imagine uh, a, another space coming off of third-dimensional space, which is, as we would say, hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. Everything coming off it accepted this one, you know, said there's nothing parallel, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all moving in some sort of hyperbolic way across. And so you would have this other dimension up here, hyperbolically rotated. And when you rotate to that, you turn this flat and you make this one rotate. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that's what you're doing is you're simply rotating this in the other way. And that is simply Lawrence transform. I hope a little bit that's of this the carries route. through to the listener because, I mean, I'm having a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. What, the end of last week, me thinking about it in bed. And like, so what you're talking about this week is making much more sense than it ever has. Hopefully some of my analogies are helping people. Hopefully it's not just the yeah. same old mumbo-jumbo that, you know. <laughs> um, no, it's it's cool. I, so that's, yeah, the, the 1 plus uh, V squared, or 1 minus C, V squared minus 2 C squared. That's uh, squared, that, that's your Lorentz transform. That's your gamma. Hope, that's how you do a translation. Ho- hopefully your little gyrations of paper right there aren't critical to the understanding of this. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just pointing to how, you know, this would be a hyperbolic yeah. space if you look at, like, a flat right. plane, yeah, and then so... you would move it, and this one would go towards the opposite. It, yeah. it would sort I'm, of be I'm, the... But I'm kind of imagining it like... Well, it's in the complex plane, right? Yeah. So it's yet another dimension in a dimension we can't already compre- comprehend clearly. I mean, you can... You can map it. Yeah, you can sign it, yeah, sort of do it. But yeah, so that's... And... and Einstein figured out, oh, you can apply this little trick to reality and it works. Sure. That's the cool thing about Well, oh, oh. I understood from the very beginning that this stuff works. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, getting some base to understand. Well, it. I mean, the beauty of it, if it works, then it has to be at least partially real, right? I mean, there, there has to be some part of it that, that is actual. Uh, and so you're actually getting... By understanding these concepts, you're getting some mechanical way of understanding. As as I tweeted last night, how does it work? You should be able to tell me. That's all that, yeah. uh, and you know what I mean by that is exactly what I mean. If you're at, if you're telling me to believe something, how does it work? You should be able to tell me. Yep. Yep. What else you got? Okay. Extinction events. We've talked a little bit about this before, but there was a thing, interesting thing I read, which is that when an extinction event occurs, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the... It, it appears that uh, for a long time, like 10 to 15 million years afterwards, it's mostly small creatures that survive. Small things. And then things get start to get big again. But big things don't usually survive those at all uh and it takes a while for for big things for there to be enough i guess energy around for big things to exist i mean that's kind of the thing right i mean extinction events are caused by lean times Mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of light you don't have a lot of good atmosphere you don't have a lot of vegetation big things need a lot of vegetation and or meat made from vegetation yep and um it's, yeah. one of, it's one of those things that just follows when you think about it, but you never, but you sometimes just, you haven't actually gotten that point. Like when you think about it, like, oh, 
Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, is there evidence that shows that to be true? Yes, there is now. Sure. I mean, yeah, we just have to be well adapted, right? Because, like, when things are going to change, if you don't need a lot of energy to survive, or if you're... that That's the easiest way to boil it down, is if you don't need a lot of energy to, to go forward. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, adaptability is important as well, right? So you could consume slightly more energy, but if you're more adaptable... I mean... I don't know how you can measure adaptability because it's oh, but okay. Adap- so so say you're adaptable a, to the say new you're a sca- say you're a scavenger. It's great at the end times, but you're gonna run out of food sooner or later. So the faster you can adapt to eating the little bits of plant or algae that's around, the better than the people that can't adapt. The scavengers that can't adapt. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, but. It's easier to adapt to eating algae if you have the right pincers for it versus if you had... Uh, it doesn't matter if you're... If you can make a whole bunch of different types of wings, but you're still using, like, a, a, a beak. It's not as easy to get well, algae. Well, I'm, I'm just making the point that, you know... But like adaptability right, is... right at, like, the big... Like, you know, scavengers probably had a heyday at the end of... At an extinction event. Sure. And it's going to cascade down for probably hundreds of years. And then, you know, once all the meat's gone, you better be able to adapt to an omnivore-type diet. And if you can't, so... Unless you're really good at at, uh, at grabbing other or, things. Or you specialize in being low energy, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You, you wait for the rich times to come back. I was just watching... Um, so this is... You know, we talked about the Wildcrats, that show on PBS, right? And Dave, a listener in England, just streamed it for his kids. And like, it, he just got me back today. He's like, it's a hit with the five-year-old oh, cool. demographic in my in my house. And I was watching it this afternoon with the kids. And then I've seen bits and pieces of the show, but like many of them, because they're in the morning when I'm going to work, I don't get to see the whole thing. Watched one that was in the Sonora Desert with the Gila Monster. They only eat like three meals a year. They eat in the spring and then last them the whole time, right? I mean, that's a low energy creature, right? Yes. You know, so thinking about the Gila monster, you know, and that kind of thing, like you can go that far between meals and, you know, you don't need that much energy. Well, remember what I told you about the, the uh, insect that was cyanided and then left for six months um, at the insect zoo and then it came back and, and he came back and the guy would, uh, had it and, and I was surprised. I said, this thing can last for six months. The guy says, "Yeah, that's not a problem. It can last for years. It's it's the sign. I didn't think it would survive that. <laughs> so, right? Yeah, I mean, lot the, these uh, colloquially we would say simpler creatures. They're simply different creatures. Uh, they're not simpler by any means, but they can uh, they can adapt to those situations better. They don't have to go as they don't need nearly as much energy as we would, or, mm-hmm. or things like us would. Anything that." Um, I know that the, the distinction between cold blood and warm blood doesn't really exist anymore, but I really? mean it's it, it's more of a spectrum than it is like okay yeah. But the things that are more on, on the scale where that like mammals are and and uh, birds where we're producing we're doing a lot to create our own energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to keep ourselves pretty pretty warm to work correctly. Right. Uh, these other things don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you hear the Gila monster eats three times a year, yeah, usually in May and April, it's like what? <laughs> Live in its burrow the rest of the year. It's pretty. I mean, 
Yeah. And they last for what? They, they probably live like 20 years, right? I mean, I'm not sure how long they live. They didn't mention the lifespan in the show. Oh, it's so funny. I talked about this before. I got to talk about it again, though. It's like... So we were playing uh, Small World, the underground version, and one of the races is the lizard, right? And the okay. lizard's trait is that it can cross the river without wasting any people. Usually, okay. I, I don't know this. It, you would take it would take one tile to cross the river, okay. right? And then you move the tile off. But the lizard can cross the river free. And I'm like, hey, that's like, like the lizard that can walk on water. What's its name? Oh yeah, you told me. And, and Max is like the basilisk. <laughs> like, <laughs> god damn, my five year old. Remember the name of the basilisk lizard that can run across the water. You should be happy. No, no, it's it's just crazy what they you know what they've learned from Wildcraft. <laughs> it's a great show. Uh, so Dave's kids are on to it now. And if anyone else is looking for a great show, if you're in America, it's it's airing in our market at seven and seven thirty every morning, and then also in the afternoon. It's also on the website. I mean, you can just yeah, go you can and watch, stream it on yeah. pbskids.org. Yeah. And um, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, who's who lives by a TV schedule anymore? Yeah. I I don't. I don't. Well, kids do. Do they? Yeah, because do they? My 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 uh, niece and nephew don't. They they just use streaming stuff and they stream it from the from the box no. and they do on demand. I don't know. I think seven year olds and less are still. If it's on the turn on the TV and find the channel, I mean, they know that Wild Kratts is on at seven o'clock and seven thirty every day. I mean. It's easier. We talked about that Pluto TV, right? Where they're mm-hmm. where they're actually putting stuff into a program schedule because for a lot of people, just finding good stuff when good stuff is on is easier than searching out a specific program. Huh, that's interesting. I, I mean, I because I don't feel I, I that hear, I hear I don't you. feel that way. And in my experience with you know with my niece and nephew, they are not that way. They simply they expect the TV to have these things, and and if, if it's stuff that they've already seen, they're fine with it. <laughs> You know how kids are, but they don't—they're not sticking to any schedule. They simply want it to be, you know. But I guess my niece loved uh, American Idol, so she knew when that was on. Yeah. But that was sort of a different. Yeah, my kids aren't everything. streaming that much yet. I mean, the, the main channel they know is PBS, right? I mean, Allison loves Word Girl, which is kind of a grammar uh, vocabulary type show. It's on, and Wild Kratts. There's a new show called, uh, it's on right beside, they bookended it with Wild Kratts. It's another kind of somewhat nature show. But she's like, oh, that's for kids. It's for like kindergartners. <laughs> yeah, like they're explaining what a map's for. I know what a map is. I don't, I don't need this show. Yeah, that was like, uh, I, I when, when I first, um, I don't know, I, I guess Ava was about five or six or something, and I asked her if she liked the aqua bath. She's like, that's for babies. <laughs> Aquanauts? Aquabats. The Aquabats, they had a... Um, it was a Yo Gabba Gabba. Oh, okay. There's another show. It's a, the Aquanauts. It's kind of an undersea biology type thing. It was, uh, no, it was decent. I, the Aquabats are a band. That did... Oh, okay. Yeah, my kid... Well, so it's, it's funny, second kid, right? I mean, Max is, gets his accelerated thing, so he's like... He still watches Curious George on PBS, and... Uh, and whatnot, but like there's so many other things. Like, you know, at this age, Allie was, I think, was still into Dora, and Max is like, never watched Dora. 
Your kid will find something that he likes. I apparently, I I was apparently, I just loved Mr. Rogers. I couldn't tell you a thing about the show. Really? Nothing about it has stuck with me at huh. all. I mean, I, I, other than the, the stuff that I've seen later on, like, oh. you know. No, it stuck with me. I mean, I, well, when our age, we had Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. I remember, I have memories of watching Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street, like, around lunch, like, just before lunchtime. And then, like, after Mr. Rogers would come on the PBS News but I remember thinking, like, the word news. I didn't know what the word news was at the time. But for some reason, I knew the points of the compass. So I thought it was, like, the northeast, west, south news. <laughs> that's funny because, you know, that's awesome, actually. That's great because <laughs> people learn N-E-W-S because that's a word they know. They know news. But no, you, I thought you learned it was the, the opposite. I thought it was the compass yeah. points. <laughs> you learned it the opposite I direction. thought it was the northeast, west, south news. That's funny. That's awesome. That 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 does, oh, God, so that does bring me back to, uh, unfortunately, the way the conversation went at, at the dinner. But it started with uh, some, uh, another guy I know saying, you know, I guess there was somebody in the, in the parade I guess the Thanksgiving Day Parade that was uh, from some um, from some show, and it was it happened to be a guy dressed up in loud like women's costume. And he said, he said to me, and I was like, oh, whatever. And he said, don't you think kids shouldn't be exposed to that? And I was like, why? He said, well, I mean, you think kid, do you think kids are ready for that? And I was like, kids don't care. They don't see that. That's a woman dressed up as a man or a man dressed up as a woman. Kids are not looking at that saying, why is that happening? This challenges my sexuality. Kids just see a spectacle. They don't care what anyone's dressed up as. No kid's going to give a shit. Mm-hmm. It's you who are uncomfortable with it. Don't you project, that on don't project it onto your kids. Yeah. I... Uh... Yeah, I I just you know I'm, I'm pretty progressive in that manner. You know, I I think that transgender people are you know well within their you know should be accepted. I I think that if my I don't even ch- understand why there would be a question. Well, there. if my ch- you know you can understand why because it challenges tradition. It challenges. No, I, I understand why people might. I don't right. understand it from my perspective because I, sure. I don't. But don't say you can't imagine why. I didn't say I can't mission. imagine. I said I don't understand. Right. Well, you can understand it. No, well, I mean, I can so, feign understanding, but I don't, I, I can't, I don't see it that way. Okay. I, I can get why people have problems with it. That I can't get. I, I mean, I, I can understand that people do have problems with it. I can't get why they would have problems with it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me because it's foreign it's different i mean people problems with foreign things i mean that's that's yeah that's history that's forever. disgust so that's, sh- that's not well you should be able to understand it i'm not saying you agree with it i'm saying you should be able to understand it i, I mean people are racist it's, yeah it's it's hard just because I, I don't uh i it it it's very hard to move my perspective in that way. It's hard to see what's in front of my face sometimes. It's hard to it's hard to imagine that perspective. It's it's difficult. It takes a lot of effort. Uh even to 
Uh, and a typical amount, not one that I, I like doing, is imagining it with a, a, a perspective that I that I consider hateful. Not necessarily that it is hateful. I consider it hateful. It's hard, I don't like doing it, but it sometimes is necessary to try. I mean, I hear uh, you. I, I I think hateful is a good way of putting it. You know, like whenever I have a conversation with someone, you know, granted, it happens less and less about same sex. You know, and I think trans transgender is probably the new same sex mm-hmm. in you know this day. However, it's I think the same sex paved a lot of the resistance over for transgender. I think it's absolutely. It's probably. I'm not saying it's easy to be transgender. I think it's probably a little bit easier because of same sex. Okay, I, I should say there there is a level where I do understand it. I guess because now I'm thinking about it. If I, if I really do sort of apply myself, think about it. When I heard people saying, hey, if we allow gay marriage, then aren't we just down a slippery slope to multiple marriages? And I thought, yeah, I don't see why that's a problem. But I understood why it it was not right to say that. Uh, So I guess that's me. That's where I can understand on that level. Uh, I, I sort of see why... It's disruptive, uh, and and that plays a role in how people look at it. I I do feel like, um, ideally, we should be able to live how we want to live. But I understand that when you're dealing with a large aggregate of people, you have to start putting down rules because you can't. You have to start dealing with curves, with bell curves at this point, mm-hmm. instead of dealing with individuals it just that's what happens when things get large <laughs> you have to start dealing with aggregates because aggregates you can understand more sure um so when i was in austin i ran into someone i knew from here in town uh, she started transitioning about a year and a half two years ago i guess two mm-hmm. over two years ago but i've never saw her in person just on twitter over the time and so I run into her in Austin at Supercomputing, and uh, I'm, a, you know, she's into beer and and whatnot. I've known her for a while. It's just never had the opportunity to see her in person because I live up here in Cranberry. She lives down in the city, and single, you know, the, I mean, not single, but uh, no kids. So like they, you know, they go out a lot more than I get to go meet up. But anyway, it was, I, it was cool to get to meet her in person. The only thing I slipped up on, I wasn't sure. Well, two things. Like, I didn't want to be, like, gawking at her. So, like, I made sure I was looking at her eyes, like, super closely <laughs> the entire time. Um, and if it's unclear, it's a man who has transitioned to a woman. Um, and, um, but the only thing is, like, you know, like, I'm talking about, like, I haven't seen her in a while. And I wasn't sure, like, like since you started doing your thing. They, and like she's like transition like oh thank you like i don't want to be insensitive but i don't know the right word yeah yeah you know? no, I, I hear you and, and also i i also you know i i know there's a potential for for me to sound like i'm crusading or i'm trying to be something special no i i, I want to point out that i'm not being a hero here my point is i don't care uh so it's like if i can be a hero by not caring <laughs> awesome but it's not that i'm a hero it's simply whatever do what you want i don't care yeah but yeah the only thing i slipped up on was like since you started 
dressing up. No, that's not what that's not yeah. what I want to yeah. say. No, I, <laughs> it, it, yeah, you get into those situations. It's it, like, I don't know how. Yeah, to, how do you be respectful when it, it's well, you're not, I, you're I, not I, encountering I, often? I, you don't, I, you don't I, encounter it often I, enough I, to know. I said to her, I'm like, I I don't want to be disrespectful. Yeah. And she was very gracious yeah. and said, since I started transitioning. You know, so. Yeah, and, and well, that, that that's the beauty is if once you present yourself like I'm, I'm not being disrespectful. I just I'm interested. Everyone's if if you're asking somebody about themselves, you're, you're legitimately interested. Mm-hmm. There, people are going to want to tell you about yeah. themselves. So yeah, that's you know, that that's the best thing you can do is is ask questions is legitimately be interested, not be just disgusted and push away from it. But mm-hmm. be like, yeah, I, I don't know the, quite the terms, but I'm curious. But, but you you know, as a person, you're always like. You're tempering yourself. Like, am I treating this like a yes. freak show, or am I? You know, yeah, yeah. You're always because it is so different that there's there's that human nature part that like just wants a gawk. Yeah, yeah, there, absolutely. Um, I look my 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 eye is drawn towards the person who may be disabled or or is a little person mm-hmm. or or whatever they are. My eye is is necessarily drawn to that kind of. In the same way that, uh, I mean, we just we we have a tendency to to to, to notice differences, mm-hmm. particularly when they're trying to fit in. The weird thing is we don't notice differences when they're trying to be a part. We sort of see them as as a, as an other, but when they're trying to fit in, we we zero in on differences. Mm-hmm. It's sort of why that person said to me, "I forget what I forget what it was," but he was dressed up as like some ridiculous thing. I said, "Don't you?" Do you get noticed all the time? He says, actually, no. <laughs> People just don't pay attention because I'm dressed up so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like you you push that into the background or you simply consider it not worth noting. Your brain does that. Um, even whether, even if you don't want to look at it or do want to look at it, your brain filters it out or, or sees something as being worthy of notice even if you you consciously want to not mm-hmm. see it as worthy of notice. Yeah. You know, like, you know, there was a couple things. I'm trying to do this respectful just to spread light on the people. But, um, so this person who's transitioned had a long time. I don't know if they were married or just basically virtually married, long time girlfriend. So it was like transitioned, you know, but still with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. her girlfriend. And, um. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I was most curious about, since I had never seen her in person, was the voice. Was she doing like this falsetto um, female voice? Because I've met, um, had a situation within the past year where there was another uh, transgender gender person where it was not a very complimentary falsetto voice that she was doing. It really stood out and mm. seemed awkward. But um, this, my friend, you know, wasn't really forcing a heavy female voice. You know, it seemed more natural, you know, having a more deeper voice. Uh, it was just, those are the two most comments, you know, and, yeah, and, and that's for, interesting. And it, people that, you know, it's, it, again, it's not pointing at the spectacle, but it's just curiosity. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, respect, it's respectful interesting curiosity. properties of something, yeah. right? I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at something and, and, and it's interesting and it's not, you're not, well, you're not disgusted by it. You're, you're yeah. just, it's, it's intriguing. It's not something you often encounter. So you want to learn more. Well, one it. of the first questions I had when I realized this person was transitioning was, is he still with his, her girlfriend? Mm-hmm. And the answer turned out to be yes. So, so love transcends this, yeah, this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. It really does. 
So if I mean to 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 end it on a philosophical note, if love can transcend this kind of thing, then uh you know, love is 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 a social connection to somebody on a mm-hmm. very, you know, powerful level. I don't see why it should be something that uh that we are trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Who knew this was going to go there? And see. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you.